Hi, everyone. Welcome to the second video podcast. I'm Jenny Graham, the editorials editor of the Tulsa World, and I'm here with my friend. Barry Friedman. Barry Friedman. I thought you were going to actually say that. Barry Friedman. That's your friend. I'm your friend. Yes. Right. But I want you to introduce yourself to let people get to know you. You know, I, I'm I'm Barry Friedman. I'm Jenny's friend. That's on my And resume. he well, you're much more than that. You're a comedian. You're a rock journalist, as in rocks, geology. You write books. I've never written a book. That's highly, that's that's a big thing there, Barry. Well, since you brought it up, I, I've written five books, only because you brought it up. And it would up. help to, to sell on Amazon. Although it would help if you would get them banned in schools. That's my goal right. is to help you get your books banned in schools to help your sales. And we're still going to do that, that, that broadcast, that podcast where we just... Oh, yes. All the books, right? Yeah, that's right. Anyone listening, if there's a book that you think uh, would outrage state lawmakers, please let us know. We'll tell you how to get in touch with us at the end of the, the podcast. But we we're pretty well, yeah, we're pretty wound up this week. We're wound up every week. It's venting with Ginny and Barry. But the question we're going to begin with is how, how does the nation view Oklahoma? When you're outside Oklahoma, how do you view us? And, and Barry, what the thing that's interesting about you is you're like an international man of mystery. Your gigs are on ships. You're a yeah. constant in Vegas. I mean, you are just you you honeymoon in Iceland or something. I mean, you're everywhere. I got married. And in you Iceland. are traveling, and you tell people I'm from Oklahoma. What do they tell you? They ask, "What are you doing there?" They essentially the the word out in the nation. And this is a very limited sampling just in comedy clubs and people I meet is Oklahoma is still a punchline. Whether we want to believe it or not, it is still a punchline. When I started doing comedy, first joke I ever saw the Tulsa Comedy Club, Tulsa was sprayed on the wall and the comedian said, hey, look, Tulsa spelled backwards is a slut. It's not even funny, nor is it really accurate. I never thought Tulsa was more sexually active than, you know, Little Rock or Omaha. Uh, and whatever we think we're putting out there, what goes out is Ryan Walters and Kevin Stitt and abortion law and ridiculous, absurd, preposterous education bills. That's what people think when they think Oklahoma. They think the, they think the musical. They think OU football. Right. And I think oil it's, and and dust. Right. Well, I had there was a city councilor recently was talking about the frustration of how do you change that narrative? And she had said, you know, I travel everywhere. So the only thing people know about Oklahoma is football and American Indian tribes. And that's it. Mm -hmm. And so she and of course, you know, city council, they're trying to do everything. But, you know, it's interesting when we getting ready for this podcast, I do extensive research, like Googling things. So I Googled, how does the nation view Oklahoma? It was so funny. You have like Wikipedia and the state, right. but but right up there was um, Oklahoma is the third deadliest state. That was like right up there. Uh, why is poverty in Oklahoma compared to third world countries? Then there was a whole lot of uh, links to certain tribes, you know, just various tribes. Then there was stuff on McGirt. And then um, governor signs strictest abortion law. And then more, uh, oh, and then, a, and then a football story. That's it. Those, and that was like the first, I had to like move to different screens and that was it. Right. Me 47th in the nation in education, 
policies and processes, right? And uh, Rodgers and Hammerstein, the musical, right. is still a thing. And now we also have the uh, one of this nation's most liberal marijuana laws. Well, not the most liberal marijuana. No, but one of the most liberal medical marijuana laws in the country. Right. Well, and we might actually be voting on legalizing it completely if this latest initiative petition goes through. Because right. there are people that want to go even further with it. But, okay, so Kansas, very similar to us. Almost like some of the laws here or there, they voted last week. Was it last week? To last week. The right to abortion. And so I'm wondering... How how out of step it is our are our lawmakers out of step with this? Like if Oklahoma were to vote on legalizing abortion or at least making a you know adding more exemptions because right now there's like one exemption to save the life of the mother. Do you think that that would pass like it did in Kansas? Well, before we get to that, let's talk about what would happen if if Panasonic's decision to relocate to locate in Kansas couple of weeks ago, right? It happened before the vote. If you have Oklahoma and Kansas, and of all the factors, you have one state, whether you approve of abortion or not, you have one state that says women who are going to have abortion, want to have abortions, they will be protected. Their rights will be protected to have one. And you have another state that says abortion is illegal, no exceptions except rape or incest. Is that right? Right. Rape or incest? No, 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 no. Only to save the life of the mother, I believe. It's the life of the mother. Yeah. So, so if you're that company that wants to relocate, now I'm not saying you would you would relocate to one state or the other because of that law. But if if you are thinking of all the different factors, why would you need that law? What does that law do for you? Nothing. You're not going to not go to Kansas because they're going to protect women's rights to have an abortion for those women who want to have an abortion. Would you not go to a state that precludes that right, that says to women, you cannot have an abortion other than this small, special circumstance? That's probably an issue that someone should think about. Why would you annoy companies that are looking for all the reasons to move to your state? They don't just move for taxes. They move for education. They move for lifestyle. They move for cultural, right? And they also move for things like medical care and access to medical care. And a story like that going out, Oklahoma is the most restrictive state in the nation for abortion, doesn't help you. Now, you may say, well, we don't need Panasonic then. Fine, but it does not help you. It doesn't bring anybody here. It certainly, and I would say with the Panasonic, now keep in mind, they did offer like $2 billion in incentives to our 700 million. But but I believe it was Steve Lewis, we wrote, ran an an op-ed. He said, no one really tells you why you lose out. I mean, it's all kind of guesswork. But he kind of pointed out, like you did, it's not just that, but it's the lack of investment in people overall. He used the education example because that was close to his heart. It's close to my heart, which is if you are investing so low in your public education system, then that, that may be the breaking point. I mean, you start going down the list of not just your rights, whether it be gun rights, abortion rights, whatever it is. Then you get into, well, are they investing in the people? Are they investing in education, healthcare? Are they taking, are they going to take care of our workers when we bring them there? And if we don't rank high on those things, then no. And, and I, if you're reading a story, I'm sorry, if you're reading a story that says, and oh, by the way, teachers are afraid to say 
white owned slaved right. slaves in this in this state because of HB 1775. Why do you need it? You may say, hey, I like Tulsa. I like the Guthrie Center. I like the Dillon Center. I like the Mexican food. I like Philbrook. But this place is insane. And Wichita ain't that bad. Right. Right. And, and at what point yeah. do these those intangibles for a company for people making those decisions? There are people making those decisions, not these monoliths, not these buildings that decide. There are people who decide, I am making this decision for a whole bunch of people, including women. Mm -hmm. Right. Childbearing women and, and school children. And why do I need a state that's going to annoy them every waking moment? Well, right. I mean, that was. And, and that kind of goes into what the Chamber of Commerce had a representative, Tulsa Chamber of Commerce, speaking to the city council a couple of weeks ago, saying that very thing, that they are seeing the, the state laws around all these cultural issues and also in those kinds of lack of investments having an effect on business recruitment. It can, how can it not? How can it not have this domino effect that when all of the, when the news that goes outside the state are these, you know, you can carry a gun everywhere. You, you know, you have to send your kid, you can't send your kid to private school because they can't find bodies to, to teach. I mean, these are all things that are popping up in the background. If you just background Oklahoma, but yeah, if you're looking to move your company and what's the difference between Oklahoma and Kansas, Oklahoma and Arkansas, they're, I mean, our cost of living is about the same. At this moment, you'd say the big difference is Kansas is not insane. Right. Okay. That would... So, but here's the next question to you. So you mentioned Tulsa, uh, Tulsa. like, right. yes, we have these great things, very, um, you know, the Bob Dylan Center, all this stuff. Can you be a progressive city, which Oklahoma City under Mayor David Holt, I would put in the same category. Can you make these sort of progressive things, but your state is viewed as regressive in many ways, going backwards in rights, going the opposite way? Can, can, can we be that? No. The, the, the comparison's always been, does Tulsa want to be Austin? Can it be Austin, Texas, right? Is that possible? Yeah, but we can't. I mean, just by population-wise, we can't be Austin. Not only just population, but Austin, Texas voted for Biden, Clinton, Obama twice by pretty healthy margins. Tulsa County, while the yep. numbers are not as are not as uh, stark as they are statewide, is as Republican as any place in the country. Mm -hmm. So if, if you and I come to Tulsa to visit, we go to the Dillon Center, we go to the Guthrie Center, and we eat out, and we go, this is a great city. And then we pick up the newspaper in the morning, and we say, these people are insane. Good thing we're leaving tomorrow. So those people are coming to Tulsa, because there's a lot to do in Tulsa. But are companies going to move here? And what does it mean to be a progressive city? Who decides that? I mean, George Kaiser decides that, right? George Kaiser decides to sink all that money into downtown Tulsa. If he doesn't, Tulsa's Flint, Michigan. Are we lucky or are we smart? But who decides we are progressive? Brad Carson said the other day about University of Tulsa, has to be a, an aspirational university again. Good, because last year the word going out is we were a trade school. That was not true, but that was the line going out. 
So the state of Oklahoma is insane, and Tulsa University is now a trade school. Those are two really bad okay, messages. Did that really happen? I did not hear that about TU. Oh, the whole the whole uh, true blue commitment, the whole blue commitment. Okay. Was the, remember okay. the not cybersecurity school. Right, the right. Cybersecurity school. Once you get past the black gates of TU, is a trade school, and then you close the theater department and you get rid of philosophy. Well, it sounds like it's trade. It's not a trade school, no. and, to, and Oklahoma is not entirely insane. But how much time do people have every day to think about what's really going on in Oklahoma? So Brad Carson says we have to be an aspirational university again. Good for years. Tulsa was the Harvard of the Southwest, which was kind of funny and was silly and it was arrogant, but it wasn't awful. Why not be Vanderbilt, Carnegie Mellon, Harvard? That's a good aspiration to be that. So how do you do that? If you've read Carson, well, you bring in Bernie Sanders and you bring in Elizabeth Warren and you try to get Kevin McCarthy and Nancy Pelosi here on the same day and you bring in these controversial speakers. So now Tulsa has this reputation as a place, wow, vibrant university in a vibrant city. That's how you do it. But I don't know whether slogans and, and logos do the trick for you. So who yeah. decides we're a progressive city? Well, I think, we I, think, I think when businesses start moving here or when people start growing their businesses to be competitive internationally, you know, we talk about recruitment of business, but there's also people and companies here that they could stay here or they get to a point where they want to move, you know? So, I mean, we have to retain the businesses as well, but you brought up a point that, you know, Tulsa is always sort of portrayed outside Tulsa in the state as this liberal bastion of, of libs or something. And I'm always going, but we have Kevin Hearn as a, as a congressman. We and have Mark Wayne Mullen you know, to our east. Exactly. Right? I'm like, I do not. And, and I had people, when I've asked that question, they're quick to pounce saying, but we're not a progressive city. We're not, but I mean, there, now there are pockets of Tulsa that are liberal that for what, you know, I think, and we've never been able to ascertain it for certain, but there's a group of people who believe that Joe Biden may have won the city limits of Tulsa. But the way that the ballots come in, it's really hard to sort of, you know, and you have mail-in ballots. So sometimes it's hard, but there are people who believe that Joe Biden might have won the city of Tulsa, but not the county. But that still, we're so far away from being in Austin. But when, but it's that definition of progressive. Which means- I, never, I never viewed progressive as being Democrat or Republican or liberal or conservative, I viewed it as, are we making things better? Are we moving forward to include people who weren't previously included in our economy, in our education, in our healthcare system? And do other people think that's progress? There are plenty of people in Tulsa, old time, old money here in Tulsa, right? They, they are in Tulsa. They like leaving and then coming back. And maybe the funniest joke I ever came up with on stage, which shows you my comedy career, was that say what you want about in Oklahoma, but there's plenty of parking here. <laughs> and in a lot of cities, that's not the case. And people want parking here. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the things we love about Tulsa is that you can go to New York, you can go to Paris, you can go to France, you can go to world, wherever. And when you come back, I can go out to dinner and park in front of the restaurant. We is that really what we're aspiring to? I don't know. 
You tell me. Well, <laughs> I mean, it's like you're, the bar has gotten really low. We're t- we've gone from Panasonic to, hey, we got parking. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's important for people who have been there their whole lives and can no longer have parking. They can't find parking. That's a big deal. But to get back to your point, no, Oklahoma should not secede from America and Tulsa should not secede from Oklahoma, but Midtown should probably secede from both. Then you'll have that progressive bastion, that that West Berlin in a sea of red madness. Okay, but but we've talked about the problem. How do you how do you change that narrative of the state? Because a lot I hear a lot of state officials, they talk about rebranding, they talk about, you know, and they want to seem tough and they're standing up to name, you know, whoever, the president or whatever. But how do we get back to saying, I mean, why are you here, Barry? I mean, I mean, you moved here years ago, but you have probably had opportunities to leave. You have probably had these other things. What keeps you here? Well, I had children here. And, and, and again, I came here in the the late seventies and I met my future ex-wife here and we had children. So I came back here and then a mortgage company was stupid enough to lend me money for a house. So I'm here with this house and got married again. And my wife is now from Tulsa. So it's a easy place to live. It's a very easy place to live. I don't know if that's a selling point to everybody, but it is a very easy place to live. And parking has something to do with that. I mean, so we're easy and we have parking. I mean, I grew up in New York. It's a difficult place to leave. In New York, you finish work and then you go home and that's another day's work. How, how oh. explain that to me? What do you mean? Uh, if you live on Long Island, let's say an hour and a half from from New York City, and you finish work at five thirty six in New York, till you till you catch the train, till you make the connection to the Long Island Railroad to get to Long Island, it's seven seven thirty by the time okay. you get home, and another hour and a half to get in the next morning. So your workday is maybe nine to five, but you're starting at six o'clock in the morning to seven o'clock at night. That's a thirteen hour day. Okay, in the best I of circumstances. Okay, in Tulsa. There's traffic, but when you grow up anywhere else, the traffic in Tulsa, it's it's cute. No, I mean, you, you go to the airport and you can arrive 40 minutes before an international flight and there's still a possibility you get on. I mean, you know, you check your bag. I mean, it's you park, check your bags, you're there. So and, and there and is- Terminal A and Terminal B are, oh. <laughs> so we're finding all there. kinds of reasons to move to Tulsa. But, you know, there was, and I'm a, like, fifth generation. My family like predated statehood. Well, let's go back to your question. How you change the narrative, how you change the narrative seriously is you have, I don't want to be that political, but Joy Hoffmeister somehow wins, somehow defeats Kevin Stitt. And the first day does everything she can to gut 1775 and do something about the gun control bill in the state and does something about all the other issues that go out of state and make us look loony. See, I don't think guns will ever change in Oklahoma. I don't, I think that the people in Oklahoma, that's just not going to happen. If I think if anything happens on that level, it'll have to come from the federal government regulation or just suing the hell out of gun makers and, and other things like that. I just don't think that'll change. But the things like House Bill 1775, which we've seen is a complete disaster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there are things that you can change there. Um, and the fight to change it would change the narrative. 
You have a governor in Oklahoma who is trying to fight the insanity rather than see the insanity, which is what's going out there now. You cannot read anything that Ryan Walters puts out without holding your nose. There's nothing he puts out that says to a company in Indianapolis, hey, I want to move to Tulsa. I want that for my employees' children. I do think it's important to stand up to some of the extremes of, of the Oklahoma. Like we wrote not long ago, the, the candidate, I won't even say his name, who's completely anti-Semitic, complete, I mean, he really has, hates LGBTQ people. And there's that element out there that to me, to start changing some of that narrative is for more state leaders to stand up to that. For more state leaders to, even Ryan Walter say, you know what? No, they they aren't doing this in schools to sort of hold it. There's no holding each other accountable within the Republican Party here. I'm seeing more of that. A.J. Ferret, the, the Republican chair, he he has spoken out. He took uh, both Mark Wayne Mullen and T.W. Shannon to task, who both believe that uh, Trump the won election the election and it was stolen. And it's like, no. It, we walked we on the moon. We walked on the moon. Elvis is dead. And the election that was David was Holt. Stolen. That was David Holt said, yes, yeah, Biden won the election, the earth is flat, and the moon landing happened. Or the, the earth is yeah. round and the moon landing happened. And Elvis is dead. And Elvis is dead. Yes. Well, you need, but you need Republican leaders to spit those people out unequivocally. Right. Period. Right. Stand up to it and say it's not going to be here. You're not. And it really bothers me when it's getting into the hate speech. That's where that shouldn't just, that should not be tolerated. And, I, and that's where we have gone from. You know, that the extreme not even getting close. Now they're running for office. That and, and that's what's scary. And to me, those are the people you really want to change the narrative of Oklahoma. Don't let those people in office. And if they somehow get in office, don't give them a chairmanship. Put them, you know, you can do things. The House Speaker or the Senate Pro Tem, you get these extremists in here that are saying anti-Semitic stuff. Relegate them to, to nothing. I mean, say we're not that's not part of my party. I'm not going to put you on a committee. I'm not going to give you the power to enact your your hateful agenda. So, but the problem you know, there is Bill Maher's line about the left move to the center, the center move to the right, and the right move to an insane asylum. The problem there is give me the Republicans in the state who are moderate to the point where they will spit those people out and not be afraid of being primary and not be afraid of the base and not be afraid of Trump and say, that is not our party. Either he leaves or I do. Mm -hmm. I am not going to be associated with a party that has someone like John Bennett right. as the state chair, period. And, and to me, it's like, if I would see more of that, that would give me, give me some hope, honestly, that, that, that can change that, because there are some conservative values that I embrace. Like when it comes to budgetary things, or I should say the older conservative values, I was always for a balanced budget. I was always for fiscal responsibility and transparency. Those were all the things the Republican Party stood for when I was growing up here. And, you know, I grew up in the same hometown of Henry Bellman, the mm -hmm. first Republican governor. Those are the, but he was also very pro-public education. He was very pro these social programs that were effective, but you had to fund them. You had to, if you, you know, either raise taxes or cut somewhere else. And so if we could get back to that, that's something I could get behind. But I'm just seeing that these cultural wars are dominating the state and making the state look bad. You don't lose business and you don't lose friends over block grants to the state. Hmm. 
you lose business, you lose friends over the cultural issues, and there's really no gain there. So right, if, you have, right. if you have everything you want, if transgenders can only pee where you want them to pee, what do you get out of that? Where's the victory for you or for the state? If some 14-year-old rape victim who didn't call the police in time has to give birth, what do you gain out of that? That's the thing is, if you gave the, the, the extreme right wing everything it wanted, where's the victory for the state? Where's the victory for anybody other than some moral indignation they have that's now been uh, squashed? But look how well that's worked in rallying the conservative base. I mean, you, you throw out the kind of the red meat issues of abortion, <laughs> guns, and LGBTQ issues. Although I see more acceptance of like gay marriage when they saw that the earth didn't end, the sky didn't fall when gay people got married. I think there's more acceptance of that. But it's almost like you throw that out and it just, because people do feel strongly about it, whether it makes sense or not. And then you are ignoring the real issues like that we can't fill classrooms, like our prisons are still bankrupting the state, like people still can't get mental health when they're in crisis. So we're going to ignore all these other things, which are very real, focus on these cultural things. And so it's a, I've just seen it as a lose-lose thing. And it's frustrating because these cultural issues are just sucking the air out of everything. And that's what people talk about. It's, it's what's the image of our state when... You know, even if we have these good things happening, we're still ignoring some of the, the real problems we have. And I don't know why that is. I don't know how to turn that part around. You know how tough it is to root for Disney? But in Florida, <laughs> in Florida, I found myself rooting for Disney against Governor DeSantis. They have a large homosexual population, uh, right? Employing right. Employ a number of gay and lesbians. And they are sensitive to the needs of their workers. Let's say Disney got so furious with Florida, it was leaving. Disney World was going somewhere else and it looked for a place to go with its 150, 200,000 jobs. It would not come to Oklahoma. Why? It's the same poison here that they have there. Right. That, that's a reality. Gays and lesbians, they work, they have families. What is the point in, 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 in casting them aside? What is the point in any of these social issues other than some notion that your Bible tells you life is supposed to be a certain way and this is the way the state's going to run because my Bible tells me this is the way the state's going to run. That's a good point because I was thinking about this the other day when, uh, when Panasonic was coming here or we were trying to woo them here. There was that pushback around prior. Remember, the lawmakers didn't want him there because Panasonic, like every major Fortune 500 company, they have in their company policies, you know, kind of ethics that they live by or whatever. Including inclusion. Diversity, equity, and inclusion being some of them. Some of them provide, you know, same-sex benefits. And so that DEI, which all it says is we're going to try to have a diversified workforce, which is something everyone wants. So the lawmakers in that area were so incensed, they didn't want Panasonic there. They were going to actively try to 
defeat a TIF district, which would allow some of the tax incentives to dissuade them to come there, even though the state was trying to lure them there. So if you're Panasonic and you've got your the local lawmakers actively telling you, we don't want you here because of your policies, then that hurts too. And it, what's weird to me is that for so long, the Democrats have been portrayed as the anti-business party. They're anti-business, they're not pro-business, but it's the Republicans there who have been actively going after businesses who they don't like their policies. They don't want these private businesses to have you know, LGBTQ policies or DEI policies or whatever it is. And, and again, why does it matter? Why does it matter to a state matter to a state legislator that that Panasonic has inclusion, diversity, and acceptance in its workforce and in its and its uh, philosophy of how you run a company? Why is that any of my business? How Panasonic decides to run things. I mean, another example would be how many people get upset when they call Best Buy and they call customer service, press one for English, press two for Spanish. And you get annoyed that, that you have to press one for English and English should be the language by God. Well, why do you care that Best Buy has decided its business model needs to have a Spanish speaking customer service agent because they do a lot of business with those people who speak Spanish? Why does that annoy you? Why does that annoy those people who, who want to bring... Panasonic here or keep Best Buy here. That Best Buy press two for Spanish. So Sounds you're like telling you a lot of cranky old men there, Barry. I'm becoming <laughs> a cranky old man. My goal is to be a cranky old man. Yes, that's that's sort of my goal. Answer, but to answer your question about why do they care, the reason was, and this they were being very honest, is we don't want uh, to change the 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 look of our population which is coded, obviously, but yeah. it's also they didn't want liberals moving in because there's that phenomena of Californians moving into places like Nevada or New Mexico, and all of a sudden the politics went from conservative to liberal. And so that's part of that fear is we don't want Oklahomans to attract the wrong kind of workers. And that's the answer that's being given. Because if you focus on DEI, clearly they're all liberal and we don't want them living in Northeastern Oklahoma. So then I mean, you won't. It's ridiculous. But then you won't get Panasonic. You didn't get Panasonic. Yay, you won. And it's, and now you're, nothing's changed. Yeah. Nobody I mean, will have a cappuccino but in here's the your thing. city. To, to the credit of Kevin Stitt and his team, he was fighting back against those local lawmakers. So when it came down to money, you know, he at least saw the benefit of that. But now that that has been lost, I think stepping back and saying, okay, why did we lose this? Was it really all because of the the, the difference in, in the incentives? Maybe, but is there more? And, and I needed to bring this up, and I meant to before. <laughs> Some people are joking about it, but I, I think it's worth considering. There's this movement out of California, the entertainment field, to not have, not to discourage filming companies from going into states that have these kinds of laws. These sort of anti-LGBTQ, anti-women, anti-DEI type laws. And that would include Oklahoma. Now, some of the conservatives are mocking it, saying, oh, that's just, you know, libs in the California. But that might actually have an effect. Because what's the difference, again, between Oklahoma and Kansas or Oklahoma and Arkansas? You know, if, if 
if you are trying to represent your cast and your crew and all money being equal, this state treats people better and give more rights than this state, that might make a difference. Remember right. with the new trans bill in North Carolina and they, and they, but people boycotted it and then they pulled it. That's not out of the realm of happening here. No, but the legislators here who have pushed for all those regressive pieces of legislation should now probably embrace the fact that California doesn't want to come here. That's it's, true. It's that, what that's you want it. You didn't the... want gays and lesbians and liberals and socialists coming here. Well, now they're not. So you got what you wanted. It's a victory for you. And that business is going somewhere else. And at some point, at some point, all this business not coming to Oklahoma because of all these policies that you wanted will come back and bite us. Or maybe it already has. How many people, students, when they graduate University of Tulsa, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, all the other universities, why do they leave Oklahoma? Why are there so many jobs jobs and, and I, think they, I think people are looking for they want that some people are more liberal they just they they don't like the conservatism this brand of conservatism in the state so i want to be very careful that you know there's an extremism we're talking about at least for me because not all conservatives fit under that this umbrella i mean the state is so it's pretty much all conservative but there are shades there and I think you have to recognize that. And what we've done is we've let the extreme wing start dictating some of these policies and going along with it. And that's what we've got to get, I think, away from. Because you can be conservative and not be, not have some of the, this fear-mongering, hate-filled sort of notions going into laws. I mean, Do that happened in 1775. We knew that was a bad law. We knew it at the time, but it went through anyway. All right, let leads me to my next question. Do you think David Holt and, and G.T. Bynum, the two most sanest Republican leaders in the state, could we agree? Yeah, I think they're very good. Yes. Right. Did they do enough on HB 1775 to say this is a horrendous piece of legislation? This is awful. It should never have happened. Did they do enough? Here's the answer off the top of my head is no. Oh, but here's what I have noticed. City leaders are not getting involved in school issues, just in general, because I think city, I, first of all, I think there's two things. They don't want to take that on. I mean, if you go to a local TPS meeting, you get some of the wackiest people showing up to this stuff. So I think in their mind, it's like, well, I don't want them coming to city hall meetings. I don't want but them. Leadership, but, the leadership but I think should be, they have the to take that on. That's the point of being a leader. You take that on because it's insane. And but they're going to say they're going to say they're not the leaders of the schools. That comes to the school boards, and that goes to the state super, or the the school superintendents. That's going to be what they say. Now, that's not to argue at this point. Where I'm coming from is, I think school issues are city issues because, like in Tulsa right now, the schools being targeted over and over again. That's going to have a domino effect into your city. I mean, if you're if the headline is that your school district's being you know, attacked, again, what business is gonna be like, yeah, let's move into Tulsa because you know, they look great because governor and the education secretary are beating up on the district. I mean, and, I understand why, and I understand why the mayor didn't get involved. You're not gonna do that. The headline is Tulsa Public Schools 
is being sanctioned for something it didn't do, it didn't happen, that wasn't in the jurisdiction anyway. And, 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 and again, to my mind is when does the, when do leaders, and you have to say, when are Republican leaders, because that's all we have, come out and say, we cannot run a city if this state is going to be as cuckoo as it is every time somebody opens his mouth in Oklahoma City. Because that's what gets out. What Stitt says gets out. What Walter says gets out. What Holt and Bynum say doesn't get out. And even if it did get out, what are they saying? How are they pushing back? What Holt said about the election, about Elvis being dead and the moon landing, that's very good. Mm-hmm. We need that every day from one of those same Republican conservatives that you say are out there. We need well, that I every are, day. I know, but I, I'm frustrated by that they aren't saying things. And I'm talking about even in the legislature, there's a lot of this, I'll vote for your measure if you vote for mine, because they need that block of votes. Well, there are a lot of good sane ones there that I think in their heart of hearts knew that was a bad bill and they didn't do anything. Well, now you got to fix it. And we can't, we can no longer let that sort of legislation go. We can no longer say that, you know, it's okay. So it's not just those mayors. Yes, those mayors, but there are also a lot of other people in the state, the rural areas, those rural areas have mayors. They have state, you know, they have school superintendents and state representatives that they need to step up too. And they know gay people. And they have family members exactly. who are gay people live everywhere. People of color live everywhere. So we did a lot of complaining here, Barry. I don't know if we did much um, solving. We're supposed to complain. No. All right. Here, here's how we, we here, here, here is the lesson. Republican leaders in this state who have a spine should show it. Who have intelligence should show it who don't care about being reelected and aren't afraid of the base should come out and say there are more important things here than my reelection or the Republican party. And this is insane. This is hurting the state. This is hurting people in the state that you and I both love. There there needs to be a profiles in courage. I mean, in all seriousness, there need to be people willing to be defeated or who just kind of say, I, I only want this job for one term. These are the things we need to happen. And be yeah, I, I agree. The with dark you. side is, the dark side is they have to agree that those things are insane. I think that there are. I'm being optimistic. I think there are more people like that than not. I think that we've just we've scared off people to run for office. We've scared off people to speak up because people don't like getting beat up on social media. They don't like all that, and you put yourself out there. But in order to defeat the hate speech, you have to have more speech. That's the Justice Brandeis way of looking at things. That instead of banning this or or whatever, we just need more people to speak up. We need more people to drown out that side of extreme thinking. That it's okay to talk about race and gender politics. It's or whatever identity and all of those things. That it's okay to do that and that we should encourage that. So I think that there are more people who believe that, but they're just scared to, and we have to say enough. And to, the premise, to the premise of our program here, <laughs> you couch that in saying we are costing ourselves business and opportunity. 
because nobody comes to a state because they hate gays more than some other state hate gay hates gays. Hey, their abortion bills worse than Mississippi's. Let's go there. No corporation, no businessman does that. That's that's the counterproductiveness of the whole thing. Well, Friedman of the Plains, I think we've got to end this. I think we I think we've exhausted our venting. Maybe we'll come up with some solutions on the next one. But but you did mention you're an author. You can be found on Amazon, but you also have a blog. Yes. Friedmanoftheplains.com. And you go there, you can read everything I've ever read. I can annoy you in writing rather than just listening to me. You can actually read the stuff and be as annoyed there as you are here. And you're also found on Facebook and Twitter, right? Do you tweet? Are you a Twitter person? I do tweet. Yeah, I do tweet. I think it's BS Friedman, which makes perfect sense. That's right. I saw that. Nice. (laughs) So I'm at the Tulsa World. I'm easily found too. So contact us. Tell us what you want us to talk about. Tell us that you agree with us. Tell us you can't stand us. Either way, we'd love to hear from you. Tell Um, Jamie you can't stand her. I'm much more sensitive than she is. (laughs) That's right. He's a, you're a snowflake, frankly. Just (laughs) very, very sensitive, that Barry Friedman. Okay. Well, thank you, everybody. And we will see you next week. Bye-bye.